Welcome to the Sandy Springs United Methodist Church Podcast, where we bring you weekly sermons that uplift your soul, strengthen your spirit, and praise the Lord. Whatever your reason for listening, we're grateful for you spending your time with us. May God open your heart to love and your ears to hear. Our first lesson this morning is from Isaiah chapter 43. Listen for the word of God. Our ears are open. But now, thus says the Lord, he who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by my name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I give you Egypt as your ransom, Ethiopia and Seba in exchange for you, because you are precious in my sight and honored, and I love you. I give people in return for you, nations in exchange for your life. Do not fear, for I am with you. I will bring your offspring from the east, and from the west I will gather you. I will say to the north, give them up, and to the south, do not withhold. Bring my sons from far away, and my daughters from the end of the earth. Everyone who is called by my name, whom I've created for my glory, whom I formed and made. Our gospel lesson comes from Romans chapter eight. For in hope we are saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what is seen? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it patiently. He who did not withhold his own son, but gave him up for all of us, will he not with him also give us everything? Who will bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? It is Christ Jesus who died. Yes, who was raised who is at the right hand of God, who indeed intercedes for us. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will hardship or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God 
in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Please be seated. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, for you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Sam, our precious, joy-filled angel of a son, turns three in less than two weeks. Now, he is pure joy. He loves to dance around the living room with his sister. He makes up songs that he sings at the top of his lungs. He delights in the small wonders, the leaves that are just now starting to change, putting a hat on and off of his head. He likes to read the same books over and over again. He is delightful, and it is a gift beyond measure to be his mother. But also, y'all, he is about to turn three in two weeks, and he exhibits all of the strong-willed, independent-seeking attributes that come along with this delightful developmental stage. People say that twos are terrible, um, but they haven't been that bad. Uh, I find three to be a lot worse. Um, some people use the phrase three-nager. Have you ever heard that? We're seeing that in full effect. He has a pretty robust vocabulary for such a little guy, but his very favorite word is no. <laughs> he says it early and often, no. We hear him cry out in the morning as he begins to wake up. I go into his room, the lights are off. He's on his tummy, my sweet little boy with his little bum in the air, and I reach out my arms lovingly. No, I want daddy. So. <laughs> I back out of the room, Kyle comes back in. He reaches out his arms lovingly. No, I want mommy. We get ourselves to the breakfast table, right? We're fixing the Cheerios, he's in his high chair. I don't want the green bowl, I don't want that bib. No, 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 no. I take deep breaths. I try to explain things calmly and rationally. It's a real delightful way to start every morning. It is hard to hear no so often, over and over again. But here's the thing I've noticed that's even harder, is that I'm not only hearing it more, now I am the one saying it more. No, you cannot have the green bowl because it's dirty. No, you cannot climb on top of the table. No, you cannot reach your hand into the toilet to pull the toilet paper back out. No, no, no. Now, I know this is a phase that he's in, and it's a completely normal phase, and actually, developmentally, it's good that he's asserting his independence, that he's forming his own identity and opinions. But I think one of the reasons it just feels really hard and heavy right now is because the world around us, outside of my little family and my little house, is also shouting the word, no. I don't have to tell you how much fear and anxiety permeate our world can feel as if no's are coming at us from every direction, whether it's from the shocking diagnosis of a loved one or our own grief that creeps in when we least expect it, 
Some of us are consumed by transitions or addictions. Many folks in our culture feel lonely and isolated. We're betrayed by people who are supposed to love and to care for us. It's easy to be fearful and anxious. And not to mention what's going on in our world. It can be really easy to feel nihilistic. All the fat no's that are coming from us that feels like the world is shouting from the epidemic of gun violence in America to the instability of pretty much every institution that we know and depend on to the state of our climate. Where do we place our hope and our trust and our strength? Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. This is what God says through the prophet Isaiah, says to a people who know what it's like to be in fear. They're living in exile. They've been suffering for generations. They know what it's like to feel anxious. They know what it feels like for the world around them to say no to their very existence. They've lived for generations under Babylonian captivity. Well, now, finally, they have a chance to go back to Jerusalem, a home that many of them have never known or seen before, and they are not sure that they have the strength to do it. They ask, where do we place our hope and our trust? God breaks in and says, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you, and through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Do not fear. It's one of the most oft-repeated phrases in Scripture. And one of its various permutations, it's in our Scripture, Old and New Testaments, over 100 times. Do not fear. Do not be afraid. Fear not. I am with you, God says. When an angel comes to Mary, a scared teenager, announcing that she is carrying Jesus, the Savior of the world, the angel says to her, do not be afraid. You are bearing the hope of the world in your very being. When Jesus is indeed born, an angel comes to shepherds on a hill and says, do not be afraid, for hope is born. Hope is alive. Throughout his ministry, Jesus says to those around them, do not be afraid, I am stronger than any storm. After Jesus' death, when the women go to his tomb to anoint his dead body with spices and oils, they find the tomb empty and an angel says to them, do not be afraid. Do not fear, for I have redeemed you, I have called you by name. You are mine, says God. In the midst of our fears and our anxieties and our worries, our suffering, God breaks in with a deep Holy Spirit breath saying, you are mine. Do not fear. Remember, God says, neither death nor life 
nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor power, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. This is God's story. It is one of a holy yes to humanity over and over again. God's yes is radically countercultural, thanks be to God, because God says yes, even and especially when the world is shouting no. From the very dawn of creation to this present moment, right here, right now, to that future where everybody's gonna feast together at the heavenly banquet table, God says yes. Yes to the created world and that it is good. Yes to humanity, we are created in God's very image. God says yes to us even when we get it wrong and when we fail, even when we say no to God. God loves us so much that God actually comes to earth in the person of Jesus, eating with all manner of sinners, empowering women, touching lepers, weeping over the loss of his friend Lazarus. God says yes to the rejected and the outcast, and for that, he ends up being executed by the hands of the state on a cross. That is when the world says no to God's very being. But God doesn't take that no. God shouts back the ultimate yes, rising from the grave three days later and saying yes to life and to life abundant for everybody. When the world speaks violence, God says yes to peace. When the world speaks death, God says yes to life. When the world spews hate, God says yes to love. When the world shouts injustice and oppression, God says yes to liberation and to freedom. And when the world says scarcity, be afraid, God shouts yes to a world where nobody ever goes hungry again. We, friends, every single one of us, we are a vital part of God's story. God says yes to us and to you and to me. We are grounded in this countercultural vision that proclaims gratitude and peace and joy and gentleness and patience and justice and mercy and forgiveness. It's a story where life and liberation are real. God says yes to hope. This is our story. Hope is alive. I believe this good news with every single fiber of my being. Yet I find myself praying early and often, <laughs> I believe God, help my unbelief. Because anxiety is strong, the voices of anger and fear are loud in our world and in our own minds. I want deep into my bones to be grounded in hope instead of fear. But it's hard. But I am tired. I'm tired of responding to no's with more no's, getting swept up in a cycle of negativity, only dwelling on the things that are hard. Now hear me. There is a place in biblical tradition for lament, naming to God and with our community grief, pain, questions and answers, anger, 
God wants all of that. God bears all of that. God is with us in all of that. God does not want us to mask our very real, very valid feelings and reactions before God. That's why God came to be with us. But real hope, real grounded hope, isn't about dismissing or ignoring what is hard in life. It's not about not acknowledging our fears and pretending that everything is just going to be okay. But it is about not reacting out of the fear and anxiety. Instead, being grounded in God's goodness and letting that guide how we live out our lives, how we act towards others and to the world. When we don't live out of hope, when I forget this and don't live out of a sense of hope, I know that I can get petty and I can get mean. I operate out of scarcity instead of abundance. I snap when I should be feeling compassion. I start to get greedy instead of generous. I can start to feel entitled and put upon. I say no before even knowing what the question is that's before me. I get envious and resentful of my neighbors and I start putting up all kinds of walls. And I start to see life as a burden instead of a gift. I know where to place my hope and my trust and my strength, but often I don't put my hope into practice as much as I should. A few months ago, I was able to attend a workshop on improv, faith, and bravery. Improv being improvisational comedy, uh, that field where people hop up on a stage and the audience shouts out words or scenes, and the people on stage work together to come up with some kind of comedy routine, but they don't have a plan or a script ahead of time. I was nervous um, to go in there and to put myself out there. But the facilitator named something simple that has proved to be revolutionary for me ever since. She said, look, she said, we don't get brave by reading about bravery in Oprah magazine. We don't get brave by meditating on bravery or just sort of talking about bravery with our friends. She said, it's simple, but it's true. We get brave by doing hard things. We get brave by being brave by doing the thing, by stepping onto the stage, by trusting our partners that are there with us, by practicing. And this is so true about the life of faith. I don't believe that faith is something that some people have and some people don't. Or maybe if you're just able to get a little bit closer to somebody that has it, it'll be able to rub off on you. It's not a moment It's a journey that all of us are on, and faith takes practice, early and often. And hope, a critical component of faithfulness, it takes practice. Believing that we are part of God's story of radical love and life, seeing the ways that God is revealing this to us every single day, and then being able to shine that light and love outward to the world, it takes work especially when the world is shouting no, especially in those times when we are not feeling very hopeful. So here's what we're going to do, friends. Right here, right now, we are going to practice hope together. We're going to do the thing. I think one of the best ways to practice being hopeful is to practice gratitude, remembering how God was, is, 
and will be always around us. So I'm going to guide us right now in a meditation. It's a reflection modeled on something called the Ignatian Examine. This is an ancient prayer practice that allows Christians to be intentional about reflecting on their week or their day or their life, where we have seen God, where we failed to see God but maybe should have. It helps us reflect on moments when we said yes, when we should have said no, no, when we would have said yes. So we're going to do it now. We're going to practice some hope. So I invite you to get comfortable, as comfortable as you can, in hardback pews. Often that means putting your feet on the ground. I invite you to close your eyes if you're comfortable doing that. And I invite you to take a deep breath in and out. And in and out. As you breathe, become aware of God's presence in and around you, that the Spirit is breathing for and with you, and God is closer than your every breath. Now begin to walk through the past week, moment by moment, and reflect on the places that you've been. Now let your attention drift to one place that you're most grateful for. Imagine yourself there. Imagine how you're feeling. And for a moment, just hold that place in your mind and heart and give some thanks. Now, walking through your week, moment by moment, reflect on the people that you've encountered. Let yourself be drawn to one person that you're grateful for. See their face, hear their voice. And for a few moments in silence, hold that person in your mind and heart and give thanks to God. Now walk through your week moment by moment and reflect on the activities in which you engaged. Let your attention dwell on the activity that was most life-giving for you. Imagine yourself there, what gives you joy or meaning. And for a few moments, hold that activity in your mind and heart and give thanks to God.
Now reflect on that place, that person, the activity that God is lifting up before you and choose one of those that you just named to God. And let your mind dwell there for some moments and give thanks. Now I invite you to take a deep breath in and out. And in and out. Giving thanks for God's presence around and in you that is closer than your breath. You can open your eyes now if they've been closed. My hope for all of us is that we can engage in practices like this early and often. God doesn't take away all the pain of the world, but we have to remind ourselves that God is present for and with us in every moment, and it takes practice. So my hope is we can do that, that we can help each other do that, and believe with every fiber of our being that God is saying a holy yes to us. Because neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. This is our story. And hope is our song. Thanks be to God. What a joy it is to worship together. We are so glad that you are here. As you go this morning, go with this blessing. Leave this place knowing and believing in your very bones that nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. May we practice this good news early and often. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Sandy Springs United Methodist Church podcast. We hope that you have found our podcast helpful and hope to be in ministry not only to you, but with you. For more information about Sandy Springs United Methodist Church, please visit www.ssumc.org. Until next time, may God bless you.